You're listening to Our Evolution with Linda Damita. Unscripted conversations from the heart with everyday thought leaders and great minds of our time that assist the global community on its healing journey towards conscious living and positive change. Because our evolution is a revolution, a revolution of love. Self-transformation usually begins in the physical realm of health and wellness. Now, generally speaking, it's commonly in a health crisis that we wake up to how we're living our lives and the choices we make that contribute to our health or destroy it. Now, today, people are seeking answers and information outside of the general consensus as the internet has given way to new platforms that support independent research. That being said, regenerative medicine is alive and well, and it's in Sedona, Arizona. So if you're unfamiliar with what that is, you'll find out in this podcast. And I learned about our guest today when his name appeared in town after my family doctor retired. He sold his practice to Dr. Forrest Lanchbury who is board certified in functional anti-aging obesity and regenerative medicine. So this is very special because his scope of healing covers so much more detail than regular allopathic physicians. And in today's world, with all that we're dealing with since the pandemic and just the fact that we are now the sickest country in the world, regardless of all the pharmaceuticals being prescribed, and that, by the way, is at an all-time high. I mean, we're, we're still getting worse as a society. So something's not working. All-cause mortality, obesity, type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's, cancers, and autoimmune diseases are skyrocketing. And skyrockets go really, really fast. So we need doctors like this man to truly change our sick care system and actually implement a healthcare system, but we have to empower ourselves with knowledge as a society, you know, to get there. So Dr. Lanchbury started Sedona Regenerative Medicine, offering his patients from throughout the Verde Valley a holistic approach to wellness and health using integrative and functional medicine. He dedicates himself to using whole person approaches to provide exceptional and long lasting treatment for conditions that, like I mentioned, such as obesity, allergies, hormonal disorders, chronic pain, and autoimmune disorders. Now, his practice even has a C-arm x-ray and ultrasound on site for rapid, accurate diagnostics. And this is particularly important these days since our healthcare system is super stressed in the Sedona and Verde Valley area. I mean, we have lost so many practitioners and, and people sometimes have to wait weeks and even months to get their testing done. And when you're not feeling good and you're in pain and you're suffering, that sucks. So the fact that Dr. Lansbury has testing available on site in his practice is a huge bonus for his patients. Now you can read more details, you know, about Dr. Lansbury uh, in our show notes here, and you can also just continue listening. Uh, he's got an amazing history, and you can learn what his practice offers to our Sedona community and the surrounding areas. So, whether you're a regular visitor a part-time resident, or you're coming to the Red Rocks seeking healing and self-transformation and starting with your physical health, this man is a valuable resource in our area. And he's the real deal, salt of the earth kind of guy. He's truly part of the heart of Sedona. And I invite you to stay tuned after the episode because Dr. Lanchbury has a special offering for our listeners. And I hope you enjoy this episode and learn something new that'll assist you on your personal journey. Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Lanchbury. Glad to be here. Thank you. Um, I first learned about you in Sedona a few years ago when you took over our family doctor's practice, um, uh, Lester Adler, who retired. And I didn't know much. And um, 
then I saw you out and about in town at a couple of events, including, um, what was that at Folger Brothers? It was, <clears throat> it was like a community thing, yeah. but it was basically about our, our medical freedom. Yeah, it was kind of tied into the Sedona freedom thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Medical freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Mm -hmm. so when I saw you there, that really inspired me. I was really happy and I knew, okay, there are doctors in this area who are aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But first of all, I just want to ask, you know, a little bit about your background, because I know that you started off as a veterinarian and that you were in the military and just share with people a little bit of your background and how did you end up in Sedona after all that? Yeah. Well, it's kind of a, a little bit of a roundabout way, but anyway, I was, um, First, I went to veterinary school and became a, a veterinarian. I went to K-State, graduated in somewhere around, I think, 1986. And then I went um, into the military, actually, as a veterinarian from there and uh, did some different things, trained, um, uh, did some different training with special forces, and then I ended up uh, training special forces medics and uh, traveling to foreign countries and doing uh, a lot of what we did there with animals was like um uh it was like humanitarian assistance type stuff really yeah, yeah. so it was it was pretty cool the, the army was kind of involved in that at that time the state department was um you know given money or funding that what does that look like what does that mean um it just means basically that we would go like to honduras is one of the places and um we had quite a few of these um training, we, we, we would call it you know, humanitarian assistance slash training thing. And so basically what we would do is go into villages and then we would have an MD an, or a medical doctor and then we would have a, a dentist and a veterinarian. And so then I would treat all the animals, Aww. you know, or mostly doing preventive kind of things, you know. And, um, and then the dentist would, you know, do what he does and the doctor would do stuff and so that's really nice to hear i didn't know that that even existed i mean i knew you know about doctors going to other places but i didn't know they did it for the animals too yeah yeah it's actually they would bring the animals in before they would ever go see the doctor you know they would make sure their animals because their animals were so important to to their livelihood you know oh i totally get that yeah (laughs) yeah so you would so what did you work with domestic animals or more like farm animals yeah a lot of cattle Wow. Uh, like in Bolivia, we did a lot of uh, cattle. Rabies vaccinate. Rabies is a big problem. So Really? Yeah, in those countries. So And they don't, you know, often have enough uh, vaccine and stuff. And that's one of those situations where the vaccine, yeah, the vaccine that actually works. Yeah, well, it actually has a good purpose, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. and in fact, it's probably the, uh, you know, one of the few. but Because if a person gets rabies, they don't survive it, right? Or is it like, uh, no, is it's it like pretty tetanus? much it. It's a hundred percent fatal. Yeah. Tetanus, they will survive, you know, most of the time if they get care, but rabies is a hundred percent fatal. So, so, I mean, I think there's been one recorded case of survival. So once they actually manifest symptoms, you know, it has to be treated right away, right? You have to get a vaccinated and given a anti immune globulin or the stuff against rabies, the antibodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was known as a child and in high school when I had my own car for mm-hmm. um, helping animals that I'd see hit by vehicles or things like that. And once I, mm-hmm. I, I there was a cat and it bit me and I got in so much trouble from everyone oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're like, you don't know if the cat had rabies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the middle of the road. I had yeah, to yeah. Move it. Thankfully, it was OK. Yeah. But um, so that's amazing. And so then you went, when did you start to go, go from um, there? Well, after that, um, I decided I wanted to go to medical school and I was only going to apply to one school. So, cause I'd already been through vet school and I said, okay, I really want to do this, but if I don't get in, I just, you know, won't go. So I, I applied to uh, uniform services, university of health sciences, which was a department of defense medical school in Bethesda. And I was accepted, you know, so so I had to drop my rank and go in as a second lieutenant and do my uh, training, uh, you know, in the mili- with the military medical wow. school. So yeah, that that was good training. We did a lot of things that, you know, they don't normally do in medical school. We got a lot of training actually in disaster medicine and stuff like that. That uh, generally isn't near as much in, um, you know, in other uh, programs. 
So if if, mm-hmm. if hell and high water comes to Sedona, we've got you as our mash unit. Should have, should have. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you have me. I don't know. It's good to know that there's somebody close by who could handle yeah. something like that. Right. And so then how did that progress for you? So Yeah, so I went and, you know, after that, I, I ended up being a flight surgeon for a while after I graduated, you know, which basically is taking care of pilots. I did surgery training and that type of thing. And then um, I find, I got out of the military. And uh, when I got out, I went to uh, California and worked on a reservation up there for about a year in uh, Hoopa, California. Mm. And then I went to Montana and worked there for about um, close to seven years and a couple of places where I was the um, medical director at small hospitals. And then I ended up going to uh, North Dakota, or Bowman, North Dakota. Spent 10 years there, and then finally kind of, you know, I was always wanting to get into private practice and being able to do more holistic-type medicine that, that I love, you know, and being able to do what I'm doing now, regenerative medicine, functional medicine. And um, then I... Um, you know, a practice was for sale in Sedona, and uh, the one that you, you know, Lester, Lester Hedler, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, I it was in the Townsend letter, which is this alternative medical letter, and he had been advertising in there. And so I called him up one day and said, you know, and just talked to me about it. And said, yeah, I want to come down and look at it. And then it was a year before I ever did. But then I called him back again. And I said, hey, is your practice still there? And he said, yeah. And so I came down on Labor Day weekend with my daughter, looked at his practice. and What year was that? Uh, that was 2015. Mm-hmm. Not then, that long ago. No, but, not that long ago. Yeah, but yet a good, a good span of time. Like mm-hmm. I'd say you're, you're, you're considered a local now. Yeah. <laughs> I got s- six years or so. Yeah. Almost yeah. seven, yeah. Well, if Sedona doesn't spit you out after about two years, then you're then it it'll and, and you, especially if you make it past five, then you're a keeper for sure. Yeah. So so when you said um, regenerative and functional mm-hmm. medicine for people who may not be familiar with mm-hmm. what that means, right. how does that differ from allopathic or traditional Western medicine? Right. Well, functional medicine is basically kind of a uh, a broad approach to. Um, just, you know, try to get underneath problems, okay? So really that's what it's about is trying to get underneath the cause, you know? So looking, it, it is kind of a systems approach, you know? It's a holistic approach where you look at, you know, different body systems and where they're out of kilter, you know, and, and where, what might be doing that and how they all tie together and then being able to treat people more with multiple things, but, you know, not so much medication you know it's not like treating you know western medicine basically it's you know you have a symptom you get a treatment okay which is usually a medication or surgery you know mm-hmm. or you know maybe maybe radiation depending on what's going on but it, i mean it, they're all you're not really getting um uh to the, at cause. the bottom. yeah like- you're not getting at the bottom of it and you're not you know you know, people don't really get um, uh, a complete, you know, going over. I mean, they don't really get the attention or the well, like they should usually. And that's because it's all run a lot by insurance, but it's also the model it's built on. And the model that it's built on, you know, at this point, it's basically, and it's been that way from, you know, the early 1900s, probably when they first started, um, you know, actually making vitamins, right? And so they started making vitamins out of uh, oil byproducts. You know, that's mm. what Rockefeller did. That so, so that kind of started the whole thing where people, you know, they started using vitamins, um, synthetic vitamins, to treat things, and then um, it kind of rolled into the whole, you know, medication and emphasizing all that and trying to um, basically make it as convenient as possible to treat people and as many as possible and to maximize profits through using pharmaceuticals right so in functional medicine we actually go to the root cause like it's not about like because we're going to talk later about your zenith Mm -hmm. product right but it's not um okay you're obese so take this pill Right, right it's you're obese because of these underlying factors the types of food that you're eating maybe your lifestyle maybe even 
depression or things that could be going on with you emotionally. All of those things are, are included in functional medicine, right? Absolutely. And then what about regenerative medicine? I mean, how would you define yeah, what so, would that be? So regenerative medicine kind of comes in um, as part of functional medicine. I mean, I use functional medicine most of the time with all of my patients when I address, you know, things that I'm going to do regenerative medicine with. So, um, you know, for instance, if somebody um, has arthritis, you know, you could look at you know, what are the causes of this person? I mean, why do they want stem cells for their arthritis? And, you know, what what are some ways that we can optimize um, their outcomes? So the regenerative medicine is actually regenerating, you know, tissue. And so um, regenerating cells, regenerating, you know, uh, with st- you know, we, and we use all kinds of different modalities, you know, it's not just stem cells. So, but a lot of what you're trying to do with regenerative medicine is to activate stem cells because everything heals with stem cells. I mean, if you cut your finger, you have to have stem cells to heal it. Mm. And so, uh, so that's really what regenerative medicine is. It, it is exactly what it says, and it's to regenerate. And uh, often through, you know, utilizing stem cells or things that activate stem cells or help stem cells work. Mm-hmm. So in order to know what these things are, you've got, you've got to have some education on it yeah, yeah. to do what you do. And you have a beautiful practice here. Thank you. I'm, I'm, um, I'm actually really happy that you moved to Cottonwood because I'm out in Cottonwood now too. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, Sedona's shifted a lot. It's changed a lot with the Airbnb. You know, I, I talk about that a lot. And, um, mm-hmm. and Cottonwood actually has that small town feeling that Sedona did 25 years ago yeah. when I, when I moved there. Exactly, yeah. Um, but, um, I wanted to ask you too. So how, how is business for you? Because we've lost so many practitioners mm-hmm. in this area. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I, I used to be a marketer for, a, um, a senior living community and we had some people who had uh, appointments at a, at a gal, some office, I think it was a, a gal, uh, in the village of Oak Creek. Mm-hmm. And they got there and there was a sign on the door. And she had closed up shop and left town and didn't tell a soul. Mm-hmm. And I understand this is happening around the country. It's not just here. But how has it been for you with the pandemic mm-hmm. and, 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 and your practice and where you stand on things? Yeah, you know, I'm... It, um, I was, you know, somewhat, um, I was concerned, you know, when this all happened. Of course. Uh, and, uh, you know, what happened to me was uh, Medicare, you know, said I had to get vaccinated, right? So, mm-hmm. they, and they told me that well, for COVID and, and that my staff had to get vaccinated. And that was uh, an executive order that came down through the Biden administration to the Medicare. And so uh, at that point, I said, I got to stop take a Medicare, you know, because if I, if I don't get vaccinated and then they want, they can find me a hundred thousand dollars and they can find me for every employee, a hundred thousand dollars. And so I was like, well, this isn't going to work, you know? So I had to stop taking Medicare at that point. So I opted out of Medicare, still maintained the ability to, uh, order tests through Medicare and, you know, get those paid for and that type of thing. But, but so that, you know, it didn't, I, I wasn't getting a lot of Medicare, but, you know, it, it probably impacted a lot of patients, you know, more than it did me. But um, it was kind of a sad deal uh, to have that <clears throat> thrown on top of us. But after that, you know, I, um, I actually did fairly well. I mean, I've done well. I think my last year was probably one of the best years I've had, you know, since I've been in practice. But a lot of that is because, you know, people... Uh, especially with all of this that's happened with this vaccine and everything, uh, people are seeing just, you know, and what's happened in the hospitals, you know, with people uh, not being taken care of, people being given uh, things like remdesivir that, you know, have killed, has killed people or being forced to. And so it's like, I'm not going to go to the hospital. And they're actually becoming very distrustful of uh, Western medicine. So do you, so have you, would you say a lot of your, your patients have been people who were afraid to go to the hospital or have you had a lot of COVID patients? Yes. I treated a lot of COVID patients initially, like within the first, you know, that one year, what was that? 2021. Mm -hmm. So 2021, I think I treated about, you know, 200 patients or so. And most of that was on telemedicine. 
and a lot of those patients were very ill, you know, but, uh, what, what were your, do you mind sharing what your results were? Like yeah, how, how... They, they were really good. I only had one person that actually died. Um, I had a few people that had long COVID stuff, but, um, I mostly used, you know, the frontline physicians and all that recommendations and which was ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And I was using ivermectin, you know, from day one and, um, you know, had good success with it with a lot of patients. How did you hear about ivermectin? Well, quite frankly, um, you know, I've known about ivermectin for years because I used it as a veterinarian, right? Right. And so well, this is great because then I got to I got to ask you some questions about that. OK, so, go ahead. So, and actually, when I was um, a special forces veterinarian, when we would deploy, you know, I brought up the idea that, hey, you know, we should just take ivermectin because we can take one dose and that's going to cover us for parasites while we're down there. And it's going to help with ticks and everything else. So I actually took, you know, my cattle ivermectin and so that was you, back in 1987. So in, in 1987, so mm. people were saying ivermectin's not safe. It's bad. Yeah, yeah. It's you can't do that. Right, it's right. a it's a cattle mm. pill or cattle. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're you're not a horse. You're not a cow. Yeah. But you yourself, as a physician, former veterinarian, mm-hmm. have taken the 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 people version or the animal version. I've done both, depending yeah. on what's available. I mean, you know, generally it's better to take. Uh, I mean, I use a compounded one now that's compounded from a a compounding pharmacy right it's generally better because of absorption and all that but you know the other stuff is safe and uh when you look at how much you would have to take i mean the the toxic dose of ivermectin the the l i think it's the the lethal dose you know Mm. is uh 50 milligrams per kilogram so you take that into you know and so you'd have Kilogram. to take, you'd have you'd to have to take, take the amount that you would give a horse. Oh, even more, way more. You would have to probably take like four or five tubes, maybe. So when I, when so, they were when they I mean were it, huh? when they were there were articles and things where they were saying you know, this person died of an ivermectin overdose. Yeah, this yeah. man was in the hospital, yeah. and there there was I think it was an article actually in the in Rolling Stone about a particular hospital, and then that hospital came out and said, uh, no, mm-hmm. that we never said that that never happened in our hospital. It was right. yeah a lot of controversy around that. right right I've, and i mean it's not you know i mean it can cause um you know adverse reactions for sure and make you sick if you take too much you know right and uh but um you know it's unlikely very unlikely it's going to really you know kill somebody so um so yeah it's very safe and you know it should have been used from day one and uh, it was all a political disinformation campaign. Well, and it's still going on. I mean, there's there's still people being censored and who've been deplatformed. Oh, yeah. It's still they're yeah, losing yeah. their licenses. I mean, I interviewed um, Dr. Stephen Latulip from uh, Oregon, and he he within a month of he he spoke it at a at a at a rally mm-hmm. and shared what he was doing. And the governor of Oregon got a hold of him and mm-hmm. with the board and. Within a month, they shut him down. It was insane. Yeah, his, it's, it is totally just insane. He had to close his practice and everything because he didn't use masks in his practice, and he was treating people with the, what the protocols, the frontline doctors, mm-hmm. like he said. And they said, "No, you can't do that," mm-hmm. and they took his license away. So he's still in process. He's still going through a legal battle with that. Wow. Um, I'm so glad that you were you you had success. I'm sorry you lost a patient. That that yeah. And that patient actually, I think, was the fault. I mean, you know, if you want to look at maybe who was responsible, it was actually uh, the hospital, you know, that he went to. And it was in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And uh, because he was a patient of mine here in Sedona, but they uh, went to Oregon, you know, and I treated him uh, by telemedicine. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up... Um, going to a hospital like after he'd been well for a, a week or so and he was going on walks but then he started getting short of breath and uh, his wife took him to the uh, hospital and um, they just put him in bed and uh, didn't do anything they wouldn't let her in they just put him on oxygen and then pretty soon uh, you know they had to put him on a ventilator and uh, they never diagnosed uh, a pulmonary embolism and he was never treated. Oh, that's so sad. And so, and I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's so, we know that that's one of the big problems, you know, with COVID is, uh, 
is embolized. So, um, yeah, but that was the only one that uh, passed away, and that was really because uh, he wasn't probably It was basically neglect. Mm-hmm. It was neglect. Now, so much of that happened. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot, a lot of stories. So, um, mm-hmm. when why, why did you not want to get vaccinated? Well, I knew from the get-go I wasn't going to do it. I mean, number one, I haven't really been... I mean, you would think, being a veterinarian, that I would just want to get vaccinated for everything, right? Because that's kind of what they do, but... But um, with my experience and with a lot of the stuff, I mean, studies that I've done, you know, on vaccination and the effect on the body, I'm not really big time pro-vaccine, you know. I wouldn't say I was anti-vax ever, totally anti-vax. But so I knew that this, there was going to be problems, you know, with this. And one of the main reasons I knew there was a problem is because of my experience and my education in regenerative medicine. Okay, so basically... Um, the vaccine is a synthetic exosome, you know, so exosomes are what are made by stem cells to communicate. So stem cells make exosomes that have messenger RNA in them that, that message your cells to heal, you know, by making growth factors or peptides and that type of thing. And so they took that technology or, you know, I, Malone, you know, did a lot of the studies and initial work on that, right? He's talking about Dr. Robert Malone, yeah. who's one of the inventors, right, of right. the mRNA technology. Right. right. So I knew that um, this was going to be a problem because um, you're just coding for one thing, number one, and you, you, you haven't done adequate studies to know what's going to happen, you know, with that, that code, you know, in, in the long term. And then when you find out that it's coding for the most toxic part of the virus, the, vi- the part of the virus, the spike protein, that causes, you know, clots, uh, causes all the inflammation. And you're going to give somebody that, and you're going to deliver it to their cells and have them make that, you know. You just knew because yeah, of yeah. your education. Right. And I told all my patients, too, you know. And, I mean, there was patients that I actually did keep from getting vaccinated uh so to protect them because mm-hmm. yes. they were they were high risk of having some sort of adverse side uh, side effects yeah or just you know just because they asked me about it and i you know said don't take it you know yeah and uh, they didn't do it did you lose any patients did anybody disagree uh, with you or get angry or name call you or you know um, you yeah you know it was more I think some of the big problems were the vaccine was a little bit, but by the time, you know, the mask thing was a big deal, okay? And uh, there were some people that would just totally freak out if everybody didn't have a mask, you know, you know how that is. So, I do. So I did lose some patients like that, and um, but I don't think I lost too many because of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. That's good. It was really hard for me because in my position as a marketer, because I was at a at a retirement community mm-hmm. where my father used to live, mm-hmm. and so many of the residents there are friends of his, and I love them dearly. And it was so hard every time we had a vaccine clinic, and they were constantly asking, "When are we going to get the new vaccine? When are we going to get the boosters? Are we going to have another vaccine clinic?" And it was so so because professionally mm-hmm. i was not allowed to say anything ever give any kind of medical advice it was not my place if i was just their friend i would have gone in you know but i couldn't and it was painful to watch yeah. painful to watch and and some people passed away i can't say that they that their mm-hmm. that the the afflictions that they ended up with were caused by the vaccine i can't mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. say that mm-hmm. but some of the the residents who passed um Mm-hmm. according to what I've read and seen, mm-hmm. falls in line with oh, yeah, vaccine think, um, adverse side effects for sure. I think my, uh, Peter McCullough had some statistics on the long-term care facilities and the death rate yeah. post-vaccine, and it was over 50%. Yeah, it's 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 really a scary thing, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping that, you know, through our little podcast, is you know, that mm-hmm. people who are coming and looking at Sedona and looking for doctors, looking to live here, interested, or they've been inspired by what they, they see or feel in Sedona, that they find their way to this kind of information that might open them up a little and help them to, to delve, go down that little rabbit hole. It's not that deep anymore. 
there's no. plenty of information available that's right, that's right, right at the surface. Yeah. So, so, um, so part of your regenerative medicine practice is also you deal with weight loss. Yes. And you have a product mm-hmm. called Zenith. Right. And I'd like to you to share more about that and how that, that came to be in, 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 in your practice, like where that came from. Yeah. Well, basically this, um, somebody that I knew for a long time, that's actually from Pennsylvania, um, who, uh, became a, she's a nutritional counselor, uh, told me about it and her name's Jen Larsh and she, um, told me about, uh, Zenith, you know, so Zenith actually is a, uh, product that, um, lowers leptin resistance. And what does that mean for people who don't know what leptin is? Right. So leptin is actually a, it's like a hormone in your body. It's a type of hormone. And it's L-E-P as in Peter. Yep. T-I-N. It's not lectin, like lectin that you find in beans or in foods. Exactly. It's leptin, L-E-P-T-I-N. Yes, because a lot of people do confuse that. Yeah, Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So leptin is um, actually in some ways as just as important as insulin, you know, in regulating uh, fat burning and stuff in the body. So what happens when people get overweight um, is that they get this resistance to leptin because see leptin um, normally like when it acts on uh, fat cells, um, it causes them to burn fat, you know, to metabolize. Mm -hmm. And it also, it shuts off your appetite. Like when they, when it gets elevated through the pituitary, and it also regulates your thyroid, and it also regulates some other hormones. So uh, when leptin gets too high, um, you well, you know, you end up getting this resistance as you gain weight to leptin. And then what happens is the body makes more leptin, you know, like it does with um, glucose when you get resistant to glucose, you know, mm-hmm. insulin resistance. So body makes more insulin. So then you make more leptin and then the body just keeps getting more resistant to leptin. And then it just will not burn fat, you know, because um, there's so much resistance, no matter what you do, unless you do something about the leptin resistance. So for people who, who, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people who are, who are dealing with obesity, it's because of their, basically because of their diet. Yeah. But is Zenith a kind of product that people take? when they've tried everything else, is it, is it for anybody? Do you, are there any, like if it, if mm-hmm. it, if it, um, if it d- uh, helps to lessen your appetite, mm-hmm. does that affect your blood sugar? Do you get, you know, do you have a blood sugar uh, low or high right. as a result? Like, how does that work? Well, not really. Um, you know how it works basically is it's a, it's a natural product. You know, it's, there's two ingredients. So there's methyl, uh, cellulose, promethylcellulose, and like four different types of that. And then there's cetylated fatty acids. So these fatty acids that are what we call cetylated. And um, you have like six of those. And that's all there is in it. So it's those two products. So there really is very little potential for, you know, adverse reactions or drug, you know, ADRs, adverse drug reactions. And um, really doesn't usually um, interfere with anything. It, it, um, it like may be a concern, like, right? No. Yeah, and if somebody has a, you know, it doesn't cause bleeding problems or anything like that. So, so it's quite safe, you know. And um, and so pretty much, yeah, most people could take it, you know. Do people have to? They don't have to fit like a specific profile or anything in order to be able to take Zenith. Like somebody could call your office and order mm-hmm. it. Yeah, um, they could, yes. Do it's they have possible. to be a patient? Yeah, I usually prefer that they be a patient just because I'm in you know, my medical practice and I'm an MD, and if I'm dispensing it, you know, yeah. I like to have a relationship, you know, with the, with the patient. And then, because, you know, that's one of the things I actually specialized in before, too, is I, I did do a board certification in obesity medicine. And so uh, I treated, did a lot of weight loss, especially in North Dakota. And so this, you know, this is really a, a, a cool thing, you know, to have this available because, you know, leptin is something that we were always trying to figure out, like how can we reduce resistance? And sure, things like exercise helps, you know, and reducing your calories, things like that. But um, 
not really anything to directly address it. And so Zenith is, is that product. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. What, what other things do you offer? I mean, I was looking at your website and I was like, Oh my God, I could, Mm -hmm. I could get my butt tighter. I could have better abs. I mean, the, the, is it EM sculpt or M sculpt? Yeah. M sculpt. Yeah. M sculpt is, uh, uh, actually a high energy therapy. It's, uh, PEMF, you know, um, so it's PEMF. Yeah. Pulsed electrical mechanical field. So some of the other, there's uh, like beamers. Have you ever heard of? Oh beamers? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their, that's the technology behind that. Okay. At a low level. So what this is, is actually, you know, high level focused. And so what it does is it, it causes muscle contraction. And then you can strengthen your abdomen and if you're using it on your abdomen or your butt or, you know, thighs. And it's like doing 20,000 crunches, you know, one treatment. And the cool thing about it is, is that it's able, you're able to, through a different program and frequency in it, to remove the um, lactic acid. So it goes through a cycle to remove that. So if I want, you don't have to, a sore. So if sore. I wanted to do ten thousand sit-ups, yeah. When I was a professional dancer, we had an abs class for an hour. Mm-hmm. Yes. We did nothing but abs for an hour. I would literally be nauseous for days afterwards because I had so much pain in my yeah, abdomen. Yeah, yeah. I had a nice, you know, like so much pack. Uh, <laughs> not anymore. Life. But um, yeah. so that would make me sore. So this can be the same as doing that, but no soreness. That's right. In yeah. one treatment. Yeah, you do four treatments is usually the recommendation, you know, and you can do up to two a week. But then, yeah, you can really strengthen your core, you know. And so from a functional medicine standpoint, I mean, you know, you think about it cosmetically and stuff like that. Well, this is I'm going to look better. But uh, when you strengthen your core, you really help a lot of things, you know. And uh, as you know, with dancing, you know, you're able mm-hmm. to dance better, balance and all that That's stuff. Why I still do yoga. Yeah. I still do my hot yoga. Right, right. You know, exactly. Yeah, because of that you want that. If your yeah. core is strong, then your back, is, then you don't have as many back That's problems right. too. Yeah, so I use it with my back pain patients quite a bit. So I also noticed that you have... Um, was like a laser or, mm-hmm. or it was that that's for pain right yeah, so yeah. Was, how does that what is that how does that work well these are the ones that i have are cold lasers and i i have handheld ones that i actually rent out to patients to use at home and uh um and then i have a standing one that has three heads on it so it's a cold laser it's a class two laser so it doesn't heat the tissue unless you leave it in one place for a really long time but what it does, um, this light, like you have, you know, right now I have lasers that are red light and lasers that are blue-violet and are together, both in the same, um, the same uh, apparatus, you know. Uh-huh. And so um, these things, what they do is they, the laser light stimulates your mitochondria to generate ATP. And, and ATP it, is? Your main energy currency. And your so, mitochondria... Mm-hmm. So, so I'm just thinking for yeah. people who don't know what that is. I, I, yeah. I listen to health podcasts yeah, all the yeah. time, so I know. Sure. So, so if, if people go, well, what the hell is my mitochondria? Yeah. Where is that? Yeah. <laughs> so that's your main engine, you know, in your cell. Okay. That's how you generate energy. So when you look at regenerative medicine, for instance, and if you go down to the molecular level, that's where it's all happening. Okay. Is in the mitochondria. I don't remember. Generate learning. energy. And in a science class, I don't remember learning about mitochondria for some yeah. reason. And I loved biology, but I don't remember that. So it goes into your, the, it, the, the laser goes to your mitochondria mm-hmm. and it, say it again. It stimulates um, what we call electron transport, or that's also called oxidative phosphorylation. It's, it's actually in the mitochondria, that's where you utilize oxygen to make energy. So an oxygen molecule is run through that uh, to form uh, different protons, hydrogen and stuff in there. And there's enzymes in there to make it go faster. Okay. And those enzymes, those are called, that's called a catalyst, you know, to make something go faster. Uh So what happens is that the laser light, depending on the color of the light, Uh stimulates a specific enzyme in there. 
and makes it go faster. And that helps, that Heal. gets rid of your pain. It heals. Yeah, and it gets rid of pain. It has anti-inflammatory properties, you know, and anti-pain. Um, Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so if and it's somebody, regenerative too. Oh, that's what I was going to say. If somebody has a degener like degenerative disc disease mm. or right menopause related osteoarthritis kind mm. of things, mm-hmm. right? It literally can regenerate and help them to heal. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't. So so it's. I know that this is true, but a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. I heard an older gentleman say recently. He said, "Well." You know, if you're if you're you know pre-diabetic, you know I I hear you can't come back from that, you know. And once you're diabetic, you, you know that's it. You you know you can't you can't mm-hmm. come back from that. And I I had to refrain from saying actually no, you can yes. come back from that because people aren't a lot of people aren't ready to hear this kind of information because they've been so indoctrinated into thinking a certain way by the medical establishment. And so what you're saying is that you have. Mm-hmm. technology and it's not cheating right it's actually helping your own body helping your body heal that's basically it that's amazing yeah a lot of what we do is what we that's what it is you know it's it's to help your own body to heal you know to get it in the condition that it can heal so just because you're getting older because people think that getting older is synonymous with getting you know getting sick it's crazy let me tell you this one i just want to tell you this quick experiment okay that, go for it that they did this was like um i think within the last maybe 18 months or something when this came out but anyway it was they took them they they just they asked a question could you take one stem cell from uh and and regenerate uh, entire blood system uh-huh. just from one stem cell. And so what they did is they took a mouse and they uh, irradiated the bone marrow. They took one stem, they kept one stem cell from that mouse. And then they basically put that back into the mouse uh-huh. and it regenerated entire bone marrow. And they actually found, they had markers on the stem cell so they knew it was a stem cell. And they found it in almost every tissue in the body. You know, so, so, so that's how much stem, that's how powerful stem cells are, you know, that can be in the right environment. So when it comes to stem cell therapy, because mm-hmm. I have a, a friend mm-hmm. who, a girlfriend who comes to you, mm-hmm. she is a doctor, she's mm-hmm. a psychiatrist and she lives in Oregon, Right. but she comes all the way back to Sedona to see you mm-hmm. because I know she has back problems and she gets the stem cell therapy. Yes. What does that look like? What is that? Mm-hmm. How does that work? Um, well, there's different ways, you know, that we do it depending on what the problem is. But a lot of what um, we used with that particular patients and a lot of patients like hers, I've used like stem cells that come from uh, umbilical cord blood uh, or from the umbilical cord itself, which is from healthy babies, you know, that come from uh, FDA cleared labs and everything. And so we can take those cells and we can use those. To treat things. Now, um, the other thing that remember I talked about exosomes. Uh, exosomes are these small packages that stem cells make to message your cells to heal. And then that was the same technology that mRNA technology came from. Okay, so you can get those exosomes, natural exosomes. There's ways to isolate those, and you can you can um, give those to people mm. and inject them. And we use them on. Like faces, they work great for like helping the skin. You know, you can just put them on the skin with microneedling, and uh, there's like 300 growth factors in there plus all these exosomes, and it heals the skin and tightens it and stuff like that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I now do I need to go sell a kidney so I can come here and get all this stuff? Well, some of it's a lot less than others, you know. Yeah. And so it depends on what you need to. How much? A lot of it comes down to how much product you need. You know. Like for the face, it's actually relatively inexpensive. I would say it's, you know, on average with people that use this, it's probably a, a couple of t- twice as much as doing it with PRP or platelet-rich plasma, you know, that comes from your blood. Like Oh, is that the, what they call the vampire yeah, facial? right. Yeah, yeah, where they take your own blood, right, right. they spin it in a thing, and then they like inject it back into yeah. your face. I know a couple of people in town who do that right, right. therapy. Yeah, and so, I, have, I know women who swear by it. Yeah, it works good, but when you put exosomes in there instead of PRP, it's like really, you know, makes it so much more powerful because the PRP has like 30 growth factors and the exosome solution, 
that we use, uh, which is from fibroblasts, um, which are the collagen-making cells, uh, has 300 growth factors, so 30 versus 300. So you have a lot, a lot more power, you know, to heal. So some of these things are, yeah, they make you look better. Yeah. And they make you look, you know, a little younger, like kind of defy aging in a yeah. almost natural way because you're not doing, performing a surgery. You're not right, getting, right. you know, blepharoplasty or, or a facelift or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So some people would, you know, say that might be cheating a little, but mm-hmm. a lot of these therapies that you offer actually help people to heal yeah. and deal with, Get, get over chronic pain and, and degenerative right. issues. Why is this not more mainstream? Like why, why do you think that, that, I mean, cause their insurance is not going to cover it, right? Right. right. And be out of pocket. Right. Well, the reason it isn't mainstream is just because of, you know, the regulations we have from the FDA and, and big pharma and, you know, all that. Cause they, they do that with everything. Any new therapy that actually works uh, you know, big farm is going to try to pass disinformation, like they did with ivermectin. You know, pretty much. So they're they're going to try to suppress that so that they can try to capture that market if in the future possibly. You know, so big pharma would like to capture that market. So but it's if not everybody's that it doesn't doing work, it, they just don't want you to have it. They don't want you to have it. Right. And then you know, there's just a lot of kind of political stuff that comes into play. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's like, don't even get me started on the FDA. Yeah. People go, well, if it's FDA approved, uh, yeah, no, all you have to do is pay a really hefty user fee to, su- to, sub- to uh, submit your product with all of your own, quote unquote, right, testing right. showing that it's safe and the FDA approves right, right. it. And see, that's with stem cells. I mean, a lot of the studies that we have, we have a lot of studies, you know, tons of them. You can look them up and, you know, there's all kinds of studies, but... Uh, the thing is, is that a lot of these studies are what we call independent research boards that, that do this, okay? But you're not going to be able to get uh, uh, anything FDA cleared by doing an independent research on something. So it has to be, you know, uh, usually a major university or a major... Like a double-blind, placebo-controlled... Yeah, and, and it's usually going to cost a billion dollars, you know. Uh, and so... The only people that can do that are, you know, the big, big guys, you know. So uh, you can't get those through the FDA. And the FDA is basically in bed with those guys. Oh, yeah. You know, as we've seen. So, uh, so you're pretty much up against that all the time in this country, you know. And I don't know. It's a better in some, well, like Russia, you know, is actually better. It has always been better. You what know, do you better mean, better? With therapies, getting new therapies and getting them to their people. I mean, I know they... You know, they have their issues, but they, they actually, like with energy medicine, you know, they've always been at the forefront, you know, because they don't regulate them like that. You know? See, so, so and, people would want to know, well, what does he mean by energy medicine? Yeah, so, well, the laser is a form of energy medicine, and there's other types of energy medicine, like um, uh, the, actually, the, the M-Sculpt is a form of energy medicine, so energy medicine can, you know, also be, um, you know, like it usually means that uh, there's photons involved, okay, which is light, okay. So, or there's protons, you know, which are light photons, but they're, that's how you generate a lot of energy in your body, okay. So if you can generate those, and then the other thing that's really important with this is what we call frequency, Okay. So frequency medicine is really, really a part, big part of energy medicine. So when you, when you take something and you administer some type of energy, it, it does so much better and will have a much better effect if you pick the right frequency for whatever you're treating. And this so, is coming from a doctor. This isn't coming from somebody who took a weekend workshop in Sedona right, right. and is now a Reiki master. Right, no right. offense, you know, yeah. to people who, mm. who find their way with that and yeah. have their successes with it. But nonetheless, I mean, most people are, want something that they can, I know I'm one of those people. I'm like, uh, show me, show me the data, mm. show me, mm. so show me some statistics. And I don't look, I don't look to the FDA. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not going to get it there. And none of those alphabet agencies work for me. I look to the, the real, the real people. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so do you use any of these therapies yourself? 
Yeah, every chance I get, I like to laser my brain. <laughs> so I do a lot of brain lasers. Um, There's a brain laser? You're not kidding? You no, know, we just use any of them for that. They're cold lasers, so you won't injure the brain. But it helps, like we, like I was saying, it generates energy. So it can you know, help your brain heal. It can help memory and stuff like that. Uh, in fact, I've been to like four seminars now just on that, mainly on that, you know, uh, using lasers for the nervous system and for the brain. Uh, so like this of, can help people like w who have a degenerative um, cognitive decline and Alzheimer's yep, yep. and things of that nature. Yes, yeah. And it works really good. Um, you use certain frequencies, depending, like the main brain frequencies uh, for 1, 10, 40, 60. So one hertz per second or 10 hertz per second, you know, 10 cycles per second. So when you administer the light, you administer it in those frequencies. Now, there's other things if you're treating uh, depression or, you know, there, there's variation. But, you know, have you ever heard of Rife? Did you ever hear of Rife? I've heard of Rife. Okay, so Rife was like a doctor in the 1930s, I believe. And he developed a Rife, a machine, a machine that actually he went through and determined all the different frequencies in the body. And then he would take this energy. This was, you know, some of the initial energy medicine. I mean, it, there was stuff before that too, but... But anyway, he developed this basically a frequency machine and, uh, you know, and, and he mapped out all these frequencies in the body. And so we still use those frequencies. And so, you know, I use those. And so basically Rife, you know, they, they took his machine, you know, they destroyed it. And the AMA actually locked him, had him locked up and everything. Who? The American Medical Association. Back in the 1930s, yeah. Because they, because he was... Because he had something that was helping people. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, he was actually treating, you know, a lot of things, including cancer he was having, you know, success with. Yeah. And so, so people can get Rife machines today, but, you know, there's variation in and how good they are. But, but the frequencies are still... Um, I mean, we have a lot of these frequencies. And we picked up new frequencies, too. You know, I mean, people have got other frequencies, too. So a lot of it's like, if you can figure out the frequency, you know, and it, it changes from person to person. If you can test frequencies, if you have some way like muscle testing for frequencies, you've seen muscle testing, uh -huh. kinesiology. So you can do, use kinesiology to determine if a person is going to respond to a particular frequency. And so it's all real stuff, and and it's scientifically based. You can show where this, how, why this works, you know. Well, that's one of the things that I love about life right now. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating that yeah. technology and science are now in a place where they can explain what used to be considered miraculous or mystical. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's really cool to be alive right now. But, you know, and, and that's what really bothers me about what's going on with our, <laughs> our world because we have all the stuff that we, we're making these great strides on and these people are working so hard to put us back into the dark ages. You know? They really are. And uh, it's just insane. You know, how did you feel um, at the Path Forward conference, which is for those people who are listening, um, there was a conference for the front, American Frontline Doctors mm -hmm. that uh, a local doctor, she's new in town, uh, Dr. Laura Rubialis uh, yes. put together mm -hmm. and um, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough was there. You were there. Um, Jeff Barkey was there. I mean, there was, there was an incredible lineup. Um, um, Dr. Tenpenny was there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people have just been completely branded as misinformation spreaders. I mean, in such a big way, I found that the mm -hmm. conference was incredibly informative Mm -hmm. The level of passion and heart and authenticity and integrity of every person, every presenter and every attendee. I, 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 I felt like I was completely downloaded, like in the matrix, you know, yeah. when you get plugged in and mm -hmm. he's, he's like, Oh, I know jujitsu, right? Shout out to, to my guy, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Um, yeah. um, but but, and then he's like, and then they're like, and they're like, we've never seen anybody do this before. And he's like, hit me again. And he gets plugged in and he learns a bunch of new stuff. I felt like that. I felt like I was like being empowered with mm -hmm. information and right. it was so, so, so motivating, which is right. what, what, 
you know, we, we sponsored, we, because we really wanted to launch this podcast, not because it's all about medical freedom and, you know, we're not all about, you know, we're just, you know, anti-vaccine, nothing like that. It's because it's mm-hmm. the movement of, of, of consent information there right. people don't know that there's cures for cancer out there. That's right. Dr. Brzezinski, just look up, mm-hmm. Google the Dr. Brzezinski movie. You know, I met the filmmakers who made both movies about him and what happened to him. There's been so much technology and so much that's come forward that's squashed and squashed and squashed. So at the path forward, what was that like for you being there with all these people? Well, obviously, you know, in all my years of practice, you know, I've been to a lot of medical conferences, right? No doubt. Uh, Yeah, that was, you know, just in a league of its own completely. And, And the reason was is because... There was, um, I think, uh, you know, it was more, there, there definitely was, I mean, people had really came together that normally weren't coming together, you know, like Mc, Peter McCullough and, and Tenpenny, you know, I mean, when would they have ever been together before? They never, right. uh, because well, you had everybody from functional medicine to traditional allopathic yeah, medicine, right. you had chiropractors, you had all kinds that's of right. doctors there. That's right. And everybody was like of the same mindset, you know for the most part, you know, and so there was like a spiritual component to it that was really active, you know, I think in bringing people together and, and there was just, um, it was, you know, it, it was really a neat thing. So, and there was a lot to learn. I mean, I learned more in those three days and a lot of conferences, uh, you know, I'd been to for, you know, yeah. weeks or whatever. Have you, have you implemented any of like, um, Dr. Henry Ely's yeah. protocols for people who are suffering from long COVID or from vaccine injury? And do you see a lot of vaccine injury in your practice? Yes. And yes, I, I have, um, instituted some of his stuff and, uh, especially using, um, like the three day water fast and, you know, some of the other things that he talks about. Um, and I do see quite a bit of uh, vaccine injury. I've seen some pretty serious ones. I, I, I have so many friends who just don't agree. They just, they, they say, well, I, you know, all the people in my circle are vaccinated and there's no problems, but I have, I know all these people who've died from COVID. I don't want to die from COVID. So if the shot will keep me from getting, getting mm-hmm. bad COVID and keep me out of the hospital and keep me alive, then I'm going to do it. Um, and they don't even believe that there is adverse side effects to the vaccines. What kind of side effects are you seeing? Well, you know, the, one of the biggest things that I see that people come and see me for is um, <clears throat> autoimmune disease, okay? So I've seen full-on, full-blown uh, autoimmune disease where all the joints are swollen, you know, and the pa- the patient knew it was from the vaccine. Because they didn't have immune. any of that before. Right, right. And, um, and it's just, you know, some strange things. You can't really, you don't have the normal, te- the normal tests aren't, you know, like... For instance, like rheumatoid arthritis factor, rheumatoid factor is negative, you know, or ANA is negative. And you, you don't actually get, but you have this inflammation, you know, all your inflammatory markers are up, and, but you don't have the characteristic autoimmune markers. I mean, sometimes you do, but, but sometimes you don't. What about, what about long COVID? I mean, like, how do you even know if you have long COVID? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got COVID in um mm-hmm. uh let's see 2021 in, on labor day mm-hmm. and ironically i was at that that i was in that um position as a marketer for a retirement community not a soul around me got it not even my boyfriend got it mm-hmm. right he did, sleeping in the same bed um did not get it from me they had just had a vaccine clinic so I was in a soup of people who had been recently vaccinated and I felt like crap for four weeks before. I mean, I kept think, get, kept testing mm-hmm. and it kept coming back negative, 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 negative. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I did, I did the protocols and I got over it quickly and day 10, day 11, after I literally rode my bike from, from my house all the way to old town and back, mm-hmm. I got a little winded at one point, but I was like, I'm over it. I'm going to make COVID my bitch. Mm-hmm. And I did. Yeah. And then, um, I think I got it a second time in May of 2022, mm-hmm. but I mean, I've certainly got some, you know, cranky parts and things going on, but I always think it's just fatigue because I work too hard, blah, blah, blah. How do you know if you have long COVID? So, you know, there's basically two, 
I mean, there's certain criteria and stuff like duration and all that and positive COVID tests before and whatever. But basically, there's two types of it. And you may have one or the other or both. Okay, so one is cognitive. So, you know, like the fatigue, the brain fog, you know, the attention span limit and all that. And then there's the respiratory, you know. And the respiratory is usually just as simple as being short of breath, you know, like uh, on exertion. So, like, normally, you know, you could walk, you know, out to the parking lot here and not feel short of breath. But when you have that, you start getting short of breath. So, that type of thing. So, um, so those are treated differently a little bit, okay? Um, and, and you can diagnose the respiratory form. Uh, one of the ways to do it is through doing a test of your airways, okay? So a lot of these patients, most of them have small airway disease because they have this inflammation that's just ongoing in their lungs. Now, if that's from spike proteins that are still hanging around or if it's just, you know, the inflammation got going and it just won't stop, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that you will see small airway disease when you do a, a breathing a spirometry, we call it. And it's just pulmonary function testing. So you really should have that done if you have any of that respiratory stuff. And the other thing that you'll see that, and a lot of these patients don't realize it with the respiratory form, is they have sleep apnea. And it'll be new onset. And then that can actually affect their cognitive stuff too. So you have to think about that as a possibility. And so, and the cognitive form is just like we said, and there's specific treatments for all of it, you know, and there's natural and there's sometimes we use medication. Uh, the, the one for the lungs actually that works really good is budesonide. Do you remember budesonide being, a, you know, working when nothing else was helping these COVID patients yeah. in Texas, Dr. Bartlett? So, well, budesonide still works, you know, for this. And so that's all you do is, one of the main things you do is put these patients with the respiratory form on budesonide. Now, you can use things, natural stuff too, you know, and and help them also. But, but that's basically what the long, because that's another thing, you know, I've had friends say, well, I don't want to get long COVID. I don't, you know, I know people who are really sick mm. with long COVID, so I'm getting a vaccine. And, and it's like, well, if you get proper treatment, Mm -hmm. early on if you if you had mm. COVID or get mm. COVID, I mean I don't know how bad COVID is right now I mean lots of people are getting it and they're like five days they're over it so yeah. I, I know that the the new strain is you know lessened as far as severity but when you um if you what was I going to say oh my god I just had a COVID moment I just think I have long COVID no yeah. um uh what was I thinking when when so it's 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 going to be the cognitive thing. How do they, how do they know? Mm -hmm. I mean, cause like I'm menopausal, so, you mm -hmm. know, I get brain fog or if I'm super tired, I get brain fog. I don't have any breathing issues, so I don't think I have any long COVID, but like, is there anything outside of that? It's the inflammation, right? Mm -hmm. You said like autoimmune mm -hmm. stuff, sudden onset. Right. right, right. Um, or is that just from vaccine injury? Is that also yeah, I mean, long you COVID? Get long COVID too. Yeah. Okay. And vaccines do the same. Get, can give you the same symptoms. Okay. And it's some. Is it something that shows up right after you've been sick, or can um, it... you just don't really get over? It. You feel like you kind of don't get over it. You know. I mean, you you get over the main acute phase, but then you just kind of keep having these symptoms. And sometimes it can be cough too. You know. Well, that's what I was going to say. There's a there's probably ten or so symptoms, you know, with the respiratory, but but the main thing is that shortness of breath. Thing. But if you get proper treatment, like the the frontline doctor's treatment early on yeah. in a diagnosis of COVID, then you're less likely to get I long think COVID, so. right? Yeah, I think you are. Yes, and um and especially less likely if you don't get vaccinated. I mean, if you get vaccinated, that actually compromises your immune system right away, and um. And if you keep getting the vaccine, you know, you're, you're likely to, to develop something like long COVID if you, if you don't die from a blood clot or whatever, you know. But, yeah, and you'll see in, the, in, in these long COVID patients, and in, especially in patients that have been vaccinated, the D-dimer, which is a test for blood clots, will go up, you know, mm. and it'll stay up. So you have to anticoagulate them, too. So that's a test you have to, you should check. Well... I, I learned about long COVID from you. I had not really talked to anybody about that yet. So I really appreciate you sharing that with sure. us. And so that people can, 
you know, get themselves educated. And, and if, um, if people wanted to find you, they mm -hmm. just would Google you and make an appointment, right? Are you taking any new patients? Do you have room? Yes. Yeah. I'm still taking new patients. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. great. Mm -hmm. I'm really happy to hear that. And I'm really grateful to spend this time with you. I've wanted to get to know you better ever since seeing you at that rally yeah. and then seeing you at the path forward. And I know we have a lot of mutual friends, you know, yes. Dr. Shay Desina and Dr. Laura mm -hmm. Rubialis. Yeah. And, um, so we have, we have a wonderful group of functional medicine, naturopathic doctors in Sedona, and you're definitely one of them. And so people can come here and not only make themselves look better physically mm -hmm. like you're probably like really like 150 years old right but yeah, you... <laughs> yeah yeah no you know and i mean the cosmetic thing is only it's a very small part of my practice but it's really it's it's actually regenerative yeah it is regenerative. it's very so what it's part fun. of regenerating is you end up looking better yes yeah. yeah yeah the skin tells a lot about a person too i mean really totally yeah. oh and that's like my one that's my my cross to bear is my yeah. skin for sure mm -hmm. so we'll talk about that off the air yeah. but um really thank you so much for yes. sharing your insight and your background and and are you loving it are you loving being here yeah. yeah yeah i love it i love my practice and it's been a real blessing so i'm very thankful to god that i've had this opportunity sedona's been good to you mm-hmm that's great. I'm so glad to hear it and so happy to spend some time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All righty. Thank you. Well, that was really awesome. I enjoyed that conversation with uh, Dr. Lanchbury so much. And as a special to anyone who's interested in Sedona regenerative medicine and their healing modalities, Dr. Lanchbury is offering a 20% discount on the first consultation visit for any of our listeners who find him through this podcast. So 20% off your first visit. And he's also offering his new patients who discover him through this podcast, a 15% discount off their first bottle of Zenith, which is the weight loss product that we discussed in this episode. And I do have a handful of friends who have tried this product and they swear by it. So go to our show notes to find links to Dr. Forrest Lanchbury. Uh, you can always, you know, Google him or Sedona Regenerative Medicine as well, and then contact his office. But make sure that you mention that you learned about his practice through the podcast, Our Evolution with Linda Damita. So that entitles you to that 20% discount off your first visit and 15% off your first bottle of Zenith as a new uh, patient of his. I really hope you enjoyed this. May you find healing and regeneration on your path to wellness in Sedona. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us today on Our Evolution. We hope you enjoyed what you heard and found some inspiration towards your self-transformation. Check out the show notes for information related to today's topics. And if our vibe resonates with you, we'd love a review on whatever platform it is you're hearing us on today. Share this podcast with your community and on social media so the heart of Sedona can reach others who would benefit. And remember, our evolution is a revolution, a revolution of love.